Baby Myths Busted, a practical guide to giving your child the best start in life. Hi everybody, welcome back. Thank you for tuning into this episode of our podcast, Baby Myths Busted. I am Jackie and I'm here with my husband, Simon. Hello, Simon. Hello, Jacqueline. Today we are talking about sleep. So probably one of the most crossed over topics when it comes to babies. But also extremely divisive. Yeah, very divisive. Now, if you are not impressed with your baby's sleep, then stay where you are because we've got quite a lot we're covering today. So you come across parents all the time who say their baby's not good sleepers. They struggle to settle They wake up a lot at night time, they're really restless or they fight sleep when you put them down at nap time and at bedtime. Somehow, not bragging, but both of our children are very good sleepers. Early days, yeah, difficulties, but once we figured out, I don't know, a few things, somehow we've got some really wonderful sleepers at home. Consistency. Consistency is is key. Mm. Yes, we're very habitual by nature but definitely when it comes to the children. So if we're late to put the kids to bed, they usually come over to us and say, I want to read a book or I want to go to bed. So now hard work pays off. So it's no, it's not okay that babies are missing out on sleep or they're getting put to bed at 10.30 and waking up at 4.35 o'clock in the morning. They need sleep. If they're skipping naps when they're less than one year old, whatever, if they're doing it on a regular basis, it's not okay. They actually need a really good deal of sleep. Need 12 to 14 hours of sleep a day. Yeah, there you go. Otherwise, it affects them them both physically and mentally. And there is usually something that you can do. You'd come across parents all the time, talking to friends, talking to relatives, whoever, mother's group, classic for it, who say their babies are not good sleepers or they struggle to settle they're not napping during the day. It does affect their development physically and mentally. It's not okay. And there's usually something that you can do. You need about, well, depending on what part of the first year of life you're, you are in, your baby needs at least 12 to 16 hours of sleep a day. Yeah. Um, and that's daytime naps and nighttime put together, right? Ideally, yeah. Yeah, 24-hour period. You need 12 but, to 16 hours, yeah. Yeah doing at least half of it asleep. Yep. Now, what's normal? So one of the things that I hear most about is cluster feeding. I don't think people even really call it cluster feeding. They just say, my baby needs to have so much in the afternoons and I top them up with formula because it settles them down and, and helps them to sleep. So witching hour is real. We had witching hour with both kids and it was tough, but cluster feeding in the afternoon, accept it, right? No top-up feeds. It's a natural thing. Your baby has an innate intelligence. It knows that it needs a lot of certain type of milk at certain times of day. But even if it's not milk, even if it's just comfort. Oh, comfort. Yeah. Because witching hour is essentially discomfort. Yeah. Psychologically, mentally, emotionally. Because it's the end of the day and they've been exposed to a lot of stimulus? No. No. Witching hour usually happens or usually starts happening somewhere between that six and eight week mark. Yeah. And that is often, well, it is very much linked with your baby's ability to see things a lot more clearly. So at six weeks of age, they can actually fixate with their eyes onto objects. 
And yeah. so then the world becomes so much larger to them. There's so many more things in it instead yeah, of everything right. just being a fuzzy blur. They're seeing specific objects, seeing your face, seeing the dog, <laughs> seeing the yeah. sprained wife over there, like yeah. seeing their whatever it is. They're seeing everything. And so it's overwhelming. Yeah. And yeah. the reason why it's witching hour, say they woke up in the morning, they've had all day seeing all of this stimulus and you get to the point of say three and the four in the afternoon and they are done. <laughs> yeah. And so the only way they can express that they are done is by being upset. Okay. Because that's how they communicate. That's how they the communicate. only way they can communicate is to cry. Yeah. Make noise. Yeah. And so then I suppose our role as parents is to be able to recognize that, understand that this is what they're actually going through. Yeah. That they're not just crying or trying to cluster feed for no reason. Yeah. They're doing it because they're seeking comfort. Yeah. And they get comfort by being on the breast. Yeah. So there's people out there who say don't let your baby be on the breast for comfort only, you only use it for feeding. But I completely disagree with those kinds of statements because it is a comfort thing. Absolutely. Because you're not only getting the comfort from the feeding part of it, but you're also getting the emotional, physical touch from the mother or whoever yeah. is giving you the care at the yeah. same time. So yeah. there's a, I suppose the reason why dummies or pacifiers or what it became popular is because of what they do to try to calm a child. And it's been thought for a long time that it's the sucking action that actually calms, but mm-hmm. It's not so much them sucking on a dummy or whatever. It's just the fact that something is at the top of their mouth. And so if you're having something at the top of your mouth, i.e. a dummy or your tongue or a nipple, for example, that sends a automatic response to your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest, digest, relax, recover part of your nervous system, mm-hmm. opposing the fight, fright or flight response, which they're currently in during their witching hour because they just can't, don't know how to control all this stimulus that they're getting. Yeah. And it just helps them to calm down. Right. So you said your tongue, meaning the baby's tongue. So can the baby get to a point where they can place their own tongue on the roof of their mouth and comfort themselves? Well, the natural position for the tongue, if you're not chewing, eating and drinking, is for your tongue to be in the roof of your mouth between behind your two front teeth Mm -hmm. and the rest of the tongue laid up onto the roof of your mouth. That is the natural position for your tongue. Every human should be able to do that. (laughs) But everyone will be trying that right now. So is that something that develops or does that not develop in people? Sometimes it won't develop in people. And usually those people in issues with headaches and migraines, very commonly. Or in young babies, you'll see other things like chronic tonsillitis, having adenoids and all those respiratory things occur. Why is that? Because they have to be mouth breathers and they can't breathe through their nose. Really? If your tongue cannot sit at the top of your mouth, you have to breathe through your mouth. Really? Okay. And so, okay, hang on. When you breathe in through your nose or your nose hairs act as filters, that's stage one of your immune system. Correct. All right. So you skip that if you're a mouth breather. Correct. You don't have the same little nose hairs all through your mouth. No. So is that why your tonsils and things get attacked? Yes. Right. Wow. The number of people who have tonsils and adenoids out is huge. And I've heard teeth affects the positioning of the teeth, so where the, your tongue is. Well, your tongue is the sculptor of your jaw and your mouth. So without it, then you've got less of a chance of creating a nice 
wide palate so your teeth don't crowd over and make sh- and also then jaw matching up from top to bottom, all those types of things. Yeah, wow. Okay. So your tongue's pretty important. Pretty important. Okay. So when your baby is cluster feeding, so if their tongue is okay and they don't have any like ties or anything restricting it from getting to that position and if they can get the nipple into their mouth and get a good latch, then it's about your sympathetic nervous system and trying to support the parasympathetic nervous system, right? Well, yeah, all those things are comfort. And so comfort stimulates that chill out part of your yeah. nervous system. Okay. So yeah, we got to, you got to try and even the keel, so to speak, between your parasympathetic and your sympathetic. So if you're not used to seeing something a lot, it just gets overstimulating. Like that could be, you haven't been to a nightclub before and you see the lights sparking at you all the way around. You just don't, yeah. It's just really volume, overstimulating yeah, for yeah. you as an adult. Same thing happened as a child. Well, I suppose you see children, not babies, but toddlers and, and even school kids go somewhere for the first time. I remember our eldest went to the museum when he was, I don't know, three or something for the first time. And it was massive and there was so much in it and he loved it. He was so excited. But by the end, he was so overstimulated and he just wanted to roll on the floor in a little ball to settle himself down. And yeah. this, is, this is where, so as people think, like over tiredness is yep. the factor. Yeah. And it's not so much like a true fatigue, I need to go to sleep thing. Yeah. It's just there's too much going on, shut me in a, a dark room and, and yep. play me some relaxing music. Yeah. And that's exactly what you should do, right? Pretty much. Well, you got to <laughs> find something that is calming for everybody. Yeah. So our Including first born, our first born around, yeah. was let's turn on some music, go to the bathroom, have a hot bath. Yeah, And true. float in the water. Yeah. And that was relaxing. Yeah. Yeah, but somebody else will have something else that's relaxing, but you just need to find that relaxing thing. Yeah. And you just do it. Yeah. Swaddling. Swaddling. Until, it, until they can get used to the new stimulus again. Yeah. Swaddling was a big one for our family. Swaddling is fantastic. All right. So cluster feeding... It's real. It happens. It's part of development, right? Yep. Comfort them in any way you can. Comfort yep. the mother. Comfort anyone who's in the room. Yep. All right. So whatever that may be to help your uh, help emphasize your parasympathetic nervous system and sort of settle your sympathetic nervous system, relaxing music, dull lights a bit, put a candle on, whatever it is. Just get out of the house if you need to. Take, yeah, go put, for a, a walk. Put the baby in the pram and go for yep. a walk. Something yep. like that. Just You just need to change yep. the environment yep. and make the environment less intrusive yep. to your child yep. so they can start to relax in themselves. Yeah. So... Uh, Get through it. It will finish one day. Try to avoid top-up feeds in the bottle by the time formula. By the time you get to three months, it'll settle down. Yeah. If you want to hear about bottles, feeding with bottles, go back to our first podcast, breastfeeding, but try to avoid top-up feeds with formula for many reasons, but just try and let everything flow as naturally as possible. Well, it's just usually, it's not a hunger thing. No, no. And sometimes kids will sort of pass out a bit after having formula because they get a full feed and it's um, it's sort of it's harder, not the same as breast milk. Well, it's just harder to digest. And yeah. Therefore, so if you have something as a adult that's hard to digest, you feel sleepy. Yeah. So same same thing goes. Yeah. Now, what about waking up a lot at night in early days, particularly? Maybe they don't feed as much during the day. Maybe it's all at night, not much during the day. Normal. Yep. And extremely healthy. Yes, because again, your humans, so your babies 
have an innate intelligence and so they know that the best breast milk is usually produced at nighttime due to hormones and melatonin levels and things like that. The most nutritious and like nutritionally dense breast milk comes to mothers at nighttime. Yeah. And so the baby knows that. So let it happen. As annoying as it is, and if you have to get up a million times a night to make this happen, you yeah. just do it because do it, it will end. Yeah. I guarantee you that. You do it and you keep the lights dimmed or off and you move slowly and you just try and be as relaxed as possible so it doesn't interrupt your sleep as much either. If you go in and turn the lights on and get your phone out and start scrolling through Instagram or whatever, it's going to be hard for both of you to get back to sleep. Yeah. But just accept it. Yeah. Same as clostifying, it's going to happen, it'll stop one day. Waking up a lot at night time, going to happen, it'll stop one day. If you want a child that will actually sleep well, though, as they get older, yeah. you need to allow them to feed at night to get yeah. the melatonin so yeah. it understands how to utilise it. It's all learning experience for the child. They don't know how to do anything. It's true. You've got to be able to allow these learnings to happen. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe that's partly why our boys sleep so well too, because I breastfed them every single time. They pretty much made a noise. But I, I also didn't listen to other mothers who were telling me how well their baby slept at nighttime and they were sleeping through the night from three months of age or six weeks of age or whatever. Ollie was about 10 months and then yeah. he started sleeping through. Addie slept through for a couple of months, early days, and then he woke up again and he probably didn't sleep through properly till, I don't know, about 16 months or something. Yeah. It probably, yeah, probably up once a night until then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was once a night for a long time, but I didn't mind. It was also going to be my last child, so it was actually a beautiful thing to do, I felt, anyway. So just live it and love it. Well, you just plan it, too, between, like, if, if you're formula feeding, then it makes it easier to plan. Yeah. But our rule, or if you're, or if the mother is expressing breast milk, makes it easier to plan. But we had a rule in our household Anything before 1 a.m. I was in charge of. Anything after 1 a.m. Jackie was in charge of. Yeah. So that was um, so that was for Ollie, our first one for Addie. We didn't express, well, I didn't express milk, so we didn't have that option. So I was up every time, but oh, just, it was either that or pump the milk. I didn't want to do that. So yeah, take your pick. Mind. Yep. Take your pick. But now, all these, these early days and the struggles and having no sleep will pay dividends in the end yeah. because you are inherently teaching your child to sleep well. Yeah. So please be patient. It 100% pays off. Now, illness, teething, developmental milestones, they all legitimately affect sleep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So again, they don't usually last very long. What to do from an immunity perspective, avoid giving your baby medications, Panadols, Nurofens, teething gels, things like that for as long as possible because the minute you give your baby something that like that, it takes over from the immune system and it stops the baby's immune system from naturally developing that ability to cope with pain. So, I mean, do it if it's necessary, but try to avoid it. Don't make it your first point of call. If you've got a low-grade temperature, I would not be using anything except a cold washer. Yeah, we did that. Example. We did that a lot. But um, if you've got a really high-grade temperature and you're really yep. absolutely worried about it, then yes, you go the whole hog. But if you've just got a low-grade something or you're just not sure what it is, just yep. manage their symptoms. So if they feel hot, cool them down, Yeah. for example. so Or at least try it first. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those things will happen. The best thing for all of those things is breast milk. So I remember camping out on the pull-out sofa in the baby's room, 
because of something, I don't know, teething or our son wasn't well or whatever it was. But so I just gave in and lay on the fold out sofa and he lay next to me and he woke up every <laughs> however often and rolled him over for a feed and we both passed out together probably half an hour later, did it again, did it again, did it again. Lasted one, maybe two nights, but that was it. I still got some sleep, but you get through. So now mixing up daytime and nighttime. I guess that's just really the baby trying to be up during the night to get the best breast milk, right? They don't don't understand the concept of mixing up day and night. They're not doing it deliberately. They don't understand. Okay. They don't have a concept of that. No. So the, the womb is dark. Yeah, true. It's a dark place. They <laughs> like dark places. Yeah. So they can't be scared of the dark. They don't understand that it's daytime and I should be awake and doing stuff. They don't understand that. They only respond to the stimulus that they're given, Yeah. which that might be like an optical stimulus providing the environment that you're around or is it the hormone regulation that you get from breast milk or whatever that might be. There's a million different things that contribute to being able to identify where you are in, t- in space and time, but yeah, it's not a thing. So on that, you put a child to bed and you put them to bed at maybe, I don't know, 7.30, 8 o'clock and they are fighting sleep for like an hour or more. Have you missed the bus? You've missed the cues. Because they're so overstimulated? Yep. Because Um, now you've gone from someone who's tired and trying to just relax themselves so they can go to sleep, of which babies struggle to do because they just don't understand the concept of trying to get this sympathetic nervous system to kick yeah, into gear you've naturally. Yeah, you've got yeah. to help them. You've got to show them comfort so they learn how to do it themselves. Yeah. They just get overtired and just go sympathetic nervous system, fight, fight, or flight, and then just go crazy. So if you put your baby down at nighttime or during the day and they just fight and fight and fight and they do it every night, Bring it forward 15 minutes, try again the next night. Still doesn't work. Bring it forward 15 minutes, try again the next night. you just got to be really attentive to your child in terms of the external cues that they give. Yeah, which some people would be able to see them better. You saw them a lot better than I did, but I guess... I don't and know. Each, each baby will have different cues. Yeah, true. And there's a, there's heaps of data out there about what those cues are and you yep. can start to look for them. But And it might be one or two cues. It might not be the whole list. So they might not be yawning, pulling at the yeah, ears or whatever it is, rubbing their when you, eyes. When you, when you get to the pull of ears time, you've, you've gone past Yeah, it. that's, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, and if they are chilled and then they go to wired, yeah, miss a bus. Yeah. So, yeah. You just got to get, on, get onto it early. So our... Yep. Like we were, we were no by, no, no, in no way, a strict routine following. You must sleep here and here. But our goal was to get first day sleep at ten o'clock, then second day sleep at two o'clock, and then in bed by six. Yeah, and that they was, still go to bed. That, at six. that was the that was essentially the pattern that we loosely followed. Yeah, we didn't. We weren't strict. Oh, it's ten o'clock. You must be in bed. If they were tired beforehand, they go to bed earlier. If they weren't. With them later. Yeah. It's just around 10 or 2 and 6, That is the, those are the times that they were tired from our perspective looking at their cues before they went to the overtired stage. Yeah. So if, if overtired, if they're fighting their sleep, it's not because they don't need sleep and, and they're allowed to stay up longer. It's because you're too late. And it's the old, oh, they just want to get up and play. Yeah. That's because they're trying to, they're just living in this sympathetic nervous system moment. Yeah. And you just can't get them out of that. 
they just want to play. They just want to play. Well, they they don't. Well, they may want to play, but <laughs> yeah. it's not the best they thing shouldn't. for them. <laughs> and you need to try and figure out a way yeah. to get them to settle themselves down. So essentially, let the baby lead, right? Um, um, they're close to feeding. They're feeding at night time. They're showing you some sleep cues. Just put them to bed. Give them comfort. Help them with their parasympathetic nervous system. Give them comfort first. And if you are breastfeeding, just put them on the boob first. Yeah, yeah. And if they fall asleep, sweeter, it's done. Yeah. See you later. That is the easiest way to check out cues. Yeah, yeah, true. Because then you can reflect back on what happened in the 10, 15 minutes or 30 minutes before that and go, yeah. what what behaviours were they showing? And then yeah. you go, oh, cool. Well, I'll have to look out for them next time. Yeah. And then off you go. And do allow your baby to fall asleep on the boob. There's so many people out there who do not want to let their baby fall asleep on the boob. I think the main reason that they're told is because eventually, like, they won't be able to learn how to settle themselves to sleep. That is um, the theory, yeah. But, oh, there's no way. I just, I let our babies fall asleep on the boob all the time. They don't do it now. <laughs> no. They weaned themselves off breast milk probably close around 18 or so months, both of them slowly cut down and I didn't I didn't really boost that along at all but I always let them fall asleep on the booby because if it wasn't a feeding thing it was a comfort thing and yeah. I didn't know if they wanted to be fed or to be comforted but I just let them do it and there's a very good book that we read cover to cover more than once by Dr. Howard Chilton called Baby on Board. Yeah, Baby on Board and he says in there if your baby cries put it on the boob. Number one thing to do, put it on the boob. Yep. And then look at for every problem. Yeah, for every problem, because <laughs> you don't know the you don't know what's wrong with the baby yet. Their way of communicating is crying, making noise, so they don't know how to tell you. They can't really differentiate their cries to say, "Oh, that's a hungry cry. That's a tired cry. That's a cold cry. It's a cry." Put them on the boob. See what happens. If that doesn't work, see if they're warm enough. Change their nappy. Put them on the boob again. <laughs> yeah. So if well, ideally, how do you settle a baby? Swaddle. Swaddle, yep. Swaddle would be, well, it is my first option. Old school swaddle, muslin wrap. Yeah. There's this, actually this really cool swaddles now. What's the brand? I thought it would be like Space Tea, Space Tea with a T-E-A at the end. Mm. But it's literally, it's in a sleep suit and you just wrap two ends around and then a bottom to Velcro them together and then you just sit the sleep suit up underneath. So they're like in a little cocoon. It's not a sleep suit with their no, they're arms like and the, they're like a starfish. No. Tell me about those. I know you don't like them. Oh, I hate them, yeah. <laughs> uh, Why? I just hate them from a musculoskeletal development perspective. It just teaches poor patterning, okay. uh, especially if you're in like that for 12 hours. So you see those babies who look like they're permanently in one of those starfish suits? Yep. With their like arms up? In the I surrender position. Yes. Yes, because they're like living in one of those. Well, you're teaching your child to stabilize its entire body with your shoulder blades, which they're not that's designed a, to do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's a poor method of stabilizing your body. So yeah, no good. The old muslin wrap. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, find a good swaddle. Yeah. If it's not a muslin wrap and you use that to swaddle them, then yep. find a good one Yeah. and use that and then cocoon them in there because they're, yeah, used, to, they're, they're used to that. Yeah. The womb is a small, confined, dark space. Yep. And they like the comfort of that. Yeah. So yeah, we to found, provide um, comfort, you need to wrap them in a small, tight, confined space. Yeah. We found it helped significantly with both of our children. And if I did it and it didn't help, Simon would do it. And because he would do it tighter than me, it would help more. Yeah. So, yeah, don't be afraid. So, 
muslin muslin wrap or, or wrap them up, swaddle, whatever, and put them on the boob so they're nice and tight. They're getting the comfort from the breast. They're getting the comfort from the position that they're in. They're warm. They're next to their mother, hearing their mother's heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're a father trying to calm down your child, I would swaddle first and then yeah. get them in a position that you feel comfortable in. Yeah. Because they will feel your comfort. So if all else fails, mimic the womb. Mimic the womb. Dark, dark place, background noise, swaddled. They will understand, yeah. okay, this is my comfort spot. And so if they're in a social situation and they need to go to sleep or they're getting overstimulated and you can see they're starting to lose their mind a little bit, you got to take them away. Yep. If you've got people over at your house, take them away to a, a bedroom. If you're at someone else's house, take them away to a dark room and, and try and be in as much silence a, as possible. If you're at a wedding, yeah. uh, anything like that. Yep. Simon settled many babies at weddings. So, yeah, I guess we can help by... Respecting your baby's innate intelligence and support the parasympathetic nervous system. And to do that, you support your own parasympathetic nervous system. Same thing as what you do when you're trying to breastfeed your baby. Relaxation, being yeah. calm, creating that environment yeah. where all parts of the family unit yeah. can work together to make sure that the baby can relax. Yeah. So feed them, give them warmth, give them comfort, whether that's in the form of a fresh nappy or emotional comfort, swaddle, a, I guess, what do they wear to sleep in? Not one of those little caterpillar suits that pin their arms back. Muslin wrap, long, PJs, whatever it is, layers. And we also used one of those sleeping bags where their arms were free. So it was like they had a once blanket they, on. Once but, they could kind of roll or yeah. crawl, then yeah. we went to one of those bags where their arms were free and we swaddled them less tightly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, true. So do you put them down on their belly or back, side? What do you do? To sleep. Yeah. Well, if you're following the SIDS program, you've got to put them on your back. Okay. But so ever swaddle, since, ever since back. back to belly has been happening, when they first brought it in, mm. it reduced. There was a reduction in sudden infant deaths mm-hmm. originally. Yeah. And that was, when they brought it in, it would have been late 80s. And so by the mid-90s, there was a re- significant reduction Yep. But since the mid-90s to now, there's been a very st- steady increase in the amount of sudden infant deaths despite following the protocol of back to sleep. Interesting. And there are plenty of other factors that are involved in yep. sudden infant death. So, yes, you just need to s- do what your baby wants. Okay. But as a way to think about it from a developmental perspective, you need your baby needs to spend a quarter of its time on its back quarter of its time on its belly, quarter of the time on either side over a 24-hour period. Right. Okay. So the easiest way to get time on its side mm-hmm. is by putting them down to sleep on their side. In a swaddle or is this once they can roll? I would swaddle them on their side. Yeah. You just put a towel, roll up towel on either side so they don't move. Yeah, we did do that actually. Yeah, you just need, if you can find a way to do that, it's extremely helpful for their development. So... In our first episode about breastfeeding, we're talking about a position laying on their side to feed and it's nice and comfortable. You can control the position, but it's just more time spent on their side. Yeah. It's really important for their development. Excellent. So there's a lot more to sleep uh, than what you realize, really. Well, you just need to accept the fact that it's not going to be easy. For the first 12 months, do not expect your child to sleep through the night. If they do, high five yourself. Great. That's fantastic. Embrace that. Yeah. But... (laughs) Do not expect it to happen. You putting in the hard work 
to be at your baby's or meeting your baby's needs in terms of comfort or whatever that might be will pay dividends moving forward through life. Yeah. Guarantee you that. And if you've brought another life into the world, it's your responsibility. So you live for the baby now. The baby will run your life whether you like it or not. So just follow follow your baby and give it everything it needs. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps it up for sleep. I'm sure there's plenty of other things we can touch on with sleep, but we'll let you guys let us know what you want to hear about. But thank you for tuning in. We hope you've learned something and we'll see you next episode. See ya. Feeling more than fine.